Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we've compiled a special message for you today from Pastor Ralph Douglas West, recorded at the Church Without Walls in Houston, Texas. Be encouraged. This morning, I want to speak to you from the subject, the other side of judgment. You may be seated. This is the word of God. A family living off the Mississippi River lost everything in the swell of the river. Those of you from Mississippi are, have lived close to the river know what people mean when it looks at eye level. Everything had been swept away for this family of four, except for their 12-foot whaler. And the father and sons, with every Herculean effort, took the rope and held tight to it as the current of the Mississippi pulled it to a drift. It's only so long you can hold on before the current get the best of you. And after every effort, and the family of four had to let go. And the current just took the boat downstream. C.H. Dodd, the biblical expositor, said that that is the picture of God's judgment that God lovingly holds on as long as he can with straining judgment. And then one day, if we don't surrender to him, the currents of culture would take our lifeboats adrift. In many ways, that's what God has been doing for us as a people and for our nation, and he's been holding the rope, keeping judgment at bay, keeping us protected. This is not a word that I'm reaching for. Zephaniah name means that, to be protected, to live under God's protection or to be concealed. And here God protects. This is good news, but you know the only reason why it's good news is because we have bad news. Like a battery that has negative and positive, or a day has morning and night. The good news cannot be good news until we understand that there is bad news. Now, the difficulty that many of us have in hearing the good news is that so many preachers live either on one spectrum or the other. They preach all good news, how to be happy, how to be glad, how to be prosperous, how to lose weight, how to get a mate, how to grow your hair. Are they all bad news? 
everything's doom and gloom and bad. And, and yet biblical theology gives us the picture of God that is involved in the world and that God is working on your behalf even when you're unaware that he's at work and that God works and though he works sometime the night shift, he works because he knows that the morning is coming. That's the good news. And every once in a while you come to a church service like this and you have to hear bad news. Zephaniah, the prophet, a contemporary of Jeremiah, is doing exactly that. He should be at ease as the great-grandson of Hezekiah, but he doesn't surrender to the call of a priest, which is a very comfortable way to live because there are codes and there's sacerdotal systems that you operate by, and you it's real safe but to be a prophet. We've just come through an era in America where everybody wanted to be a prophet, but we knew that they were false prophets because you've never met a prophet that anybody likes. And these were people that everybody liked. You never meet a real prophet and people like them. These are the people that always agitate you in some way or another. And Zephaniah knew better. He knew how to measure his speech. He is out of the lineage of kingliness and he knows what it means to be cultured and sophisticated and he knows what it means to be baptized in the streams of culturalism. He knew, he knew. And yet, God gives him this message. It's an interesting message. It's a brief message. It's succinct. If I didn't tell you I was speaking from Zephaniah, I actually could have read it in a kind of contemporary tone, and you probably would think that I had made something up. It sounds like the modern day or the morning paper. Look with me now, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 1. We're going to cover the whole book. I know that makes some of you nervous, but hang in there anyway. This text this morning is tailored to teach us from chapter one that God can totally judge his people. There are three pictures that Zephaniah will hold up before Judah. God's covenant people, those whom God had given the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those who had studied the prophets and history, and those that were living history and being part of history, and those that sang the Psalms, that is the group to whom he is writing. And then he holds up three pictures. Like a God holding the rope, he says, now one day I'm going to let go. And I'm going to let you just drift with the current. And I don't want you getting angry with me saying God is unfair and unloving and unjust because I've given you repeated chances 
to come to me, but for some reason you just won't come to me. I don't care how I feed you, clothe you, protect you, watch over you, you just won't come back to me. And so that brings us to these pictures. Picture number one is found in verses two and three. It's the devastating universal flood. I will sweep away everything. Verse three, I will sweep away both men and women. I'll sweep away the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. You don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar or a biblical theologian to read that. You know that picture means it looks bad. Picture number two is the picture of a sacrifice in verses seven through verse 13. Be silent before the sovereign Lord for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord is preparing a sacrifice. You know, sacrifice was big. It was part of the ceremonial worship of the people that came to the temple. This is where people would bring their gifts to God. Interestingly, nobody grimaced when it was time to give, these people came celebratory that they were able to give to God that which belonged to him. But the day would come were great sacrifices. None of this would matter anymore. Picture number two, a judgment. I know for some of you say, I'll be glad when we don't have to give nothing else. Verses 14 through 18, the prophets gives this final picture of the day of the Lord. It's the great battle. This is the big contest. Some of you call it Armageddon. This is gonna be the final conflict. This is where creation comes to an end and it culminates and God calls us up to himself. The day of the Lord. We don't talk about it much. We don't sing about it much. Nobody wants to hear about it. And yet Zephaniah stands in 2018 and says that the day of the Lord is approaching. I didn't say that God is going to. I said God can call total judgment. And there are incidents where he lets us see episodes in life to show you how bad life has become. The Tree of Life Synagogue, who ever thought that you could sit in First Baptist in Sutherland Springs who ever could imagine that you could be in a Bible study at Mother Emanuel or children go to elementary school in Sandy Hook? Who ever thought that you could be at an outdoor concert in Las Vegas? And you would have to worry whether your children are coming home or your mother and father will survive a Bible study is just a picture that we have moved so far away from God that we view nothing as sacred anymore. Picture number two, since we'll stand with picture frames. One is that God can call total judgment upon his people. But in chapter two, the angle of vision changes. 
God can call judgment upon all people. When you look at chapter two, you notice that God's judgment begins in the house of Judah, the day of the Lord. And this affects God's covenant people. But then he adds another group, he says, the Gentiles. Now, these are the people that God had not given specifically his law. And so the concern that many of you have is, well, how in the world can God place judgment upon people that he didn't give his covenant to? And that is a great question, and it's a legitimate question, and there is an answer to it. It's in Romans 1 and 18. That every human being, regardless of who they are, God has revealed himself to them through creation and conscience. Those of you that are here this morning and you say, well, I don't believe in God. You have to suppress what you know. You have to deliberately say, intellectually, I disavow myself from believing that there is a God. You have to say it. God has built in you the capacity to comprehend that there is a creator beyond you that you did not just fall out the sky. <laughs> Judgment will call, fall on all people is what he says. And, and, and it will fall on every nation. And so in chapter two, you notice he begins to name people. And when you look at the map of the Old Testament, you notice he starts with the north and south and east and west. He starts up north with Assyria and south with Cush and he moves east to the Moabites and the Ammonites and then to the west to the Philistia. This shows the totality of his ability to encompass all people. It is his way of saying, nobody is exempt from my judgment. Nobody. No king, no kingdom. No governor, no government. It's beyond my reach. This is what we learn in history, isn't it? That there were governments that were imperial and totalitarian. But we don't speak of them anymore because the back of their power have been broken. America is not a theocracy. We put God on everything, but we live as if there were no God. In God we trust. Really. God bless America. One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. If that is really true, the tone and the temperament of our discussions will change if we really believe that.
I saw an interesting picture of immigration last week. I can't remember if it were, were in the New York Times or the Washington Post. It was a beautiful picture. And it was a picture of a boat coming up Ellis Isle. And that boat was so full of people, people almost hanging on for dear life. And on that boat were Russians and Poles and Jews and, and Greeks and Irelanders and Italians and people just hanging on. And in the background was a picture of the Statue of Liberty burning bright, welcoming the huddle masses. And under that caption was, can you find your relatives? Next, it was a picture of a group of people that were marching for political asylum and freedom. They were brown people. They were coming up the march. They were walking. And beneath it were words like, here come the criminals. Here come the MS-13. Here's this and that. My heart broke when I saw that. I said, how far have we gone? Well, we can say that about the poor and the oppressed. Next year, we will celebrate the 400th year of black people coming to America, but we didn't come by Ellis Isle or the border. We propelled the Mayflower. The reality is the day church is that there's a judgment upon our nation and the judgment is simple, that when you move yourself away from God, this is what allows us to say what we say. Now I'm not advocating for Republican, Democrat, or independent, that ain't my position. Mine is crying out that one way that we know that God is the center of our world is the way that we treat one another. I can't be who I ought to be until you are who you ought to be. And you can't be who you ought to be until I am who I ought to be. Martin King said, we are caught up in a network of mutuality. We are interdependent one with the other. Preach, Pastor West. I'm done now. Judgment comes on all people. Now, here's the last thing I want to say about all of these scriptures. I hated two members got up. I know I already know I didn't come to church to hear that. I know I'm going to tell you how to lose weight next week. <laughs> how to get a man and a woman and all that kind of stuff. Isn't it amazing how when we are called to be responsible and Jesus did tell us that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And I'm not dependent upon government to fix all our problems. It starts with us being the salt and the light of the world. You have to participate in the process. We don't need new streets. We need 
new pedestrians to walk the streets. We don't need new education. We need new people to be educated. I know it's hard for you to shout about that because you want to blame everything somewhere else. All of us play a part in God's judgment on the planet right now. I can't go out and break the law and just because the judges are here, I go and say, now you know I had you at my church. It's not how it works. I have a moral responsibility and an ethical way of behaving also. That's the point I'm getting to. I'm done. Here's the last thing. This is the beauty of being a Christian. Judgment is bad. It looks bad. And then you come to chapter three and this is hope beyond judgment. That is in every book of the Bible. That's why you are not leave too fast. In every book of the Bible, you find this in prophecy. There's bad, 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 real bad news. And then God says, but there's hope on the other side of judgment. Which by the way is why I'm a Christian because there's hope on the other side of judgment. Let me close by giving you another set of pictures. You ready? Chapter three. The first of these many pictures is how God will graciously forgive us, that all of us bring baggage. All of us have bad marks on our report card. And then God gives us a tabla rasa, he, he's going to blot out our transgressions. I don't know about you, but when I hear things like that, it makes me just want to run out the door in excitement that God can know that my record is bad. And then he says, I come to blot out your transgression and give you a new sheet of paper to write a new chapter to your life. That's verses 9 and verse 10. In it, he says, Ralph West, you will be converted. And then you will serve me as one people. Well, it's hard to believe it that one day as, as, as divided we are and unequal as we are, one day we're going to become one people. Boy, heaven's going to be something else. Let, let me move on. Let me give you the other pictures. In verses 11 and, and 11 through 20, and I close on these pictures, is the remnant. This is God's bountiful blessing. This is how God is bountifully going to bless you. Number one, sin will be removed. That's 11, 12, and 13. That is, you won't be put to shame. Number two, God's people will rejoice. Verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. The picture is God as a mother carrying her children, singing over them. Now, most moms know this picture, that when their children are tired and restless and they need to sleep, a mother cradles the child and begins to rock that child in her arms. And if that's not enough, she starts singing over the child. God says 
in the middle of this hope on the other side of judgment and I'm gonna rock you, cradle you, and I'm gonna sing over you. Fret not because of evildoers. Neither be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they soon shall be cut off. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Yeah, look to the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord. God said, I'm going to sing that over you. <laughs> Last one, verses 18 through 20. The nation will be restored. Listen, church, now our nation needs some healing. Whatever the end of the spectrum you're on, there's been some bad talk going on. And, and our nation needs to be restored. Remember this group that God is talking to has been separated from him from 70 years. And now he sounds the alarm and said, come on home. That means all folk that's been separated and scattered are gonna pick up and head home with him. We're gonna come home to God. And that's some of you that need to come home to God. In fact, in Luke 13, is the corresponding chapter. It is a scene where things are bad. In fact, a group of Galileans came to Jesus and they were eager to report a tragedy that had taken place in the precincts. And then Jesus said, well, if you think that's bad, did you see what happened in Siloam when the tower toppled over and 18 innocent bystanders were killed? And then Jesus said, except you repent, except you change your mind, except you have a different vision of God, you too will likewise perish. Our nation needs to repent. Ain't no doubt about that. We, our nation needs to repent. And our heart breaks when you got preachers that have access to the highest office and they're more interested in a photo opportunity than telling the truth, not to a person, but to a system. Our nation need to repent. Our churches need to repent. Our churches need to turn back to God and let God be the center of his own house. Have a good day. May God bless you real good. But on my way to heaven, we need to repent. We need to ask God, save me, forgive me, deliver me. Yeah. I'm done now. I got, I got to go. I, I got to go. That's what repentance is. It's changing our minds and moving back in the direction of where God is. Now, God's judgment can be total on his people and for all people, but there's hope beyond the judgment. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information about the Church Without Walls, visit us at churchwithoutwalls.org. To find more great resources and additional messages from Pastor West Ministries, visit ralphdouglaswest.com. Be encouraged.